the thing is, is that the longer we avoid the pain of dealing with it, the greater that pain becomes. And so pain is ultimately the greatest catalyst for change. And so my belief is, and what I've seen personally in my life and with client after client after client, is that we'll keep getting the same lesson, like the universe, God, whoever it is you believe in, will keep giving us the same lesson over and over until we actually learn it. We're on a mission. We're going to find and uncover the smartest, most successful entrepreneurs on the planet, explore their highs, their lows, and how they ultimately mastered the game. I'm Martin Cook, and I'm excited to welcome you to the Smarter Destiny podcast. I'm grateful for you and your time. Now let's level up together. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another Smarter Destiny podcast, where this time we have my friend Tiffany Toombs in the house, the digital house, our respective digital houses. Tiffany Toombs helps entrepreneurs get out of their own way. She is a mindset performance coach and much more. And she has clients ranging from Delta Airways, you know, the, the, the airline, right? Pretty big deal. Oakley, Quicksilver, and a host of others. She's also shared stages with amazing people. To date, she has helped over 400 clients, which is one heck of a number, guys. Think about that. Think about 400, 400. Um, and she's helped them do all kinds of things from overcoming serious illness like type 2 diabetes all the way through to just unlocking that success drive that's resulted in oodles of money, like seven-figure levels just by helping them get out of their own way. So I'm really excited to drill right into the, the nuts and bolts, the weeds, and, and, and extract some, some free tips from Tiffany for you today. So without further ado, Tiffany, how's it going? How are you? I am great and super excited to be here. Fantastic. Whereabouts in the world are you, Tiffany? I am in Dallas, Texas currently. Nice. So soaking up the, the extreme heat. The extreme heat, the extreme heat and the extreme size steak. Yes. Yes. As a Canadian, the heat takes longer to get used to than the steak. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah, the steak is just like, oh, it's like slipping into a warm bath. The heat, not so much. Got it. <laughs> yeah. so, so the way we typically kick things off on this show, Tiffany, is we go back to a point in your past, a point of conflict, a point of interest that really set the, set the story and set the, set the path ahead, your entrepreneurial journey um, from that point. And so if you're up for it, and it's going to be a long interview, a very quiet interview if you're not, um, could you take us back to a point in your past that serves as a great starting point to your story and uh, paint a word picture for us? Absolutely. So I, I have always had kind of a side hustle, but the moment that I really realized that I wasn't, that, that I needed to do more than just have a side hustle was actually when my personal life fell apart. So after college, I had moved to Australia, had been living there at that point in time for about three and a half years and had been dating someone for about three years. Things were getting serious. We put an offer in on a block of land. He was telling everybody that he was saving for a ring. Uh, he went away for a work trip to uh, to find a better job, fly in, fly out. Mining was really popular back then, um, and I was the breadwinner at that time. And he, you know, he wanted to step up and support me, so he went to this job interview, or so I thought. And uh, it turns out that he was actually spending the weekend with his girlfriend in another state. Oh. Now I found out the day after I dropped him off at the airport. Um, I hadn't been feeling well for a couple weeks, 
took a pregnancy test, found out I was pregnant, and then in the trying to get a hold of him to share the news, found out that he was actually with another woman in another state. Um, Fantastic. He, what a lovely guy. We need to send him something special. <laughs> yeah. A, a bottle of wine. He, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, now I'm very grateful for that experience. Um, mm. He, it also turned out he was a compulsive liar. So he, Actually. to this day, still, even though people have met, uh, mutual friends have met the person that he cheated on me with that he said didn't exist, um, he still to this day maintains that he did not cheat. And over the next couple weeks as my life is falling apart and I don't have any money to fly home to be with my family because I spent it all supporting the both of us, uh, it came out all these other lies. So he had at one point told me that he'd saved like $50,000 to buy me my dream car, a Mini Cooper for Christmas. Uh, he forged bank statements showing that he had $50,000 saved. And like, I'm fairly intelligent, but they, they like looked legit. And so yeah. Very, all of this is happening. Pretty good sociopath we're, we're describing here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> so, you, so it's like, you know him. It's like you've yeah, met him. Yeah. That's cool. I've seen plenty of movies about him, right? So, um, so he, yeah. you, you sort of, you're in this, you're in this, not great situation. Um, how do you bounce back from that? What, what, what do you do? What, what happens next? Well, things got worse before they got better. So, um, in the midst of feeling totally humiliated and figuring out what I was going to do next, I then miscarried the baby and lost the baby. At that point in time, I. I didn't even know if I wanted to be a mom, but I hit an emotional low that I didn't even know was possible in life. Yeah. Uh, and that, that really took me to the edge where I hadn't told anybody I was pregnant. So then I felt even more ridiculous saying, oh, hey, on top of all this other stuff of my life crumbling, now I've lost a baby as well. So I actually didn't tell anybody for six months. I, I kept that a complete secret because I was just so devastated and attempted to carry on like things were normal. I was working for another company. Uh, I was managing the, the company for them. Went to a business meeting one Friday in Melbourne and I walked out and there's all these people everywhere and they're laughing and there's noise and people having a good time and enjoying their life. And I just, all I could focus on was that I could not see the light at the end of the tunnel. I, I could not see what I was living for. I couldn't see you know, that this was ever going to get better. And so I saw this taxi coming and I mentally was just like, I I'm just going to end it here. I'm not going to have to deal with this pain anymore. I won't have to figure it out. Uh, so I mentally that committed to taking that step. Yeah, he was uh, actually. <laughs> I use humor. Um, <laughs> yeah. How did you Sorry, know he was going like to crush it. with you inside? No, I'm kidding. I like it. Yeah. So yeah, I, I mentally committed to taking a very well-timed step. Uh, my body had other plans. You can call it divine intervention, whatever. It wasn't my time to go. And my, it was like my feet were cemented to the ground. I couldn't move. And it was in that moment that I realized that I had all this stuff. I'd been abused by my stepmom growing up. And that's a whole other story. But I was carrying this around still. And I was allowing that to become this weight that just held me down and made me believe that I wasn't good enough. I wasn't worthy enough for success. I wasn't smart enough to do it on my own. All of these not enoughs came up. And so that kind of started my personal journey to healing all of that emotional baggage. Uh, I, again, did a lot of things that didn't work before I found the things that did work. 
And I realized then that this passion that I'd had for helping people wasn't being fully served unless I shared these tools with them. And so that was really when I stepped into, moved really from the fitness space, from being a personal trainer and a fitness coach to being a mindset coach and helping people optimize their mindset so that they're not holding themselves back by something that happened when they were five years old and a belief that they created way before they even understood what the world was about, but it was still playing out in their adult life or in their business, whether they realized it or not. And so that, that was the moment when I really, like standing on that corner in Melbourne, where I realized that I was not at all using my, you know, I wasn't in my power. I hadn't, I had no idea what my purpose was and I definitely wasn't living to my potential. And I vowed to myself in that moment that I would find out what I was truly capable of in this life. And that was eight years ago, uh, this month, actually eight years ago, August. And, uh, it, it's been an incredible journey ever since. Wow. Amazing. And, and, and to be able to dig deep and find that strength to, to change and then the awareness to know that you have a responsibility to share that with the world and that you can, you can bring a lot of good uh, to the world and help people who are, who are suffering. That's, you know, that's tremendous as, as well, right? That there's this incredibly uh, selfless and, and, and more people should be like that, but it doesn't happen overnight. So, so, so eight year journey, happy anniversary. Where, where did this path of, of learning and self-improvement take you? What were some of the, the, the stops on that particular journey? So I did what we've kind of all been told to do, right? You have a problem, you go see a therapist. And so I started there a couple thousand dollars later. She was like, there, don't you feel so much better? Like we'd rehashed my whole childhood of like all the abuse and everything that happened. And, you know, she made really unhelpful comments like, wow, I'm surprised you function so well in society, given what you've been through. And I'm like, I appreciate that you want to empower me, but that, that doesn't help me. Um, Really, the only thing that I learned from that journey, well, there was two things. Firstly, is that what the mother feels, the emotions the mother feels, and I mean, this is kind of common sense when you think about it, but I had never thought about it, um, is that whatever the mother feels is what the baby feels. So we actually start being programmed with emotions and with limiting beliefs when we're still an embryo. And so that was really powerful for me because my biological dad, who my mom left quite early in my life, was emotionally abusive. And so I had these belief systems of like, I'm fat, I'm ugly, no one will want me that I never understood. I literally had them from as far back as I can remember. And when I started having conversations with my mom about it, she was like, those were things that he told me when I was pregnant with you so that I wouldn't leave him. And so Mm. I, I, you know, I developed these beliefs about my weight before I even like had a weight, right? Before I was even like breathing air on my own. Um, The second thing I learned was that what I faced was abuse. And a lot of the entrepreneurs that I work with, they don't resonate with terms like trauma or abuse because they've somehow justified it in their mind that, well, somebody else has it worse, right? Mm. So somebody else is being abused sexually, physically way worse than what I was. Well, it was mental abuse. I never had a bruise. I never had a scar. I never had any of that. So it wasn't that bad. And instead they take their anger and their resentment and they channel it into their success, which tends to create overachievers, but it'll only get you so far because you're still being pushed. You're running away from this thing. 
mm-hmm. right? Instead of being pulled towards something that you want. So those were the two things that I really got from therapy. It didn't really help me with the healing at all. It just brought all this <laughs> stuff that I had pushed way far down to the surface. And she was like, you know, you just need to talk to people more. Go and tell your your mom and your stepdad that you were abused. And I'm like, I don't want to go tell two people who already have like depression and anxiety and, you know, feel guilt and shame about everything already. I don't, I don't need to go and like add more stuff to that yeah. pile. Um, the next step in the journey was I started going to personal development events. A friend invited me to an event. Um, it wasn't a Tony Robbins. It was a very similar run event where there's, you know, loud music, dancing, high fives. You feel great when you're there. Um, and the way the company ran this was that you didn't really leave with any tools. And so I left, went back into the world and just like sunk into this loneliness even more. Hired some life coaches and I said, look, I have this stuff from my past that I really need to deal with because I know that it's affecting me. I don't fully know how it's affecting me, but I know that it is. And the most common answer that I got was, well, you can't change the past. So let's just focus on the future. And I was like, look, I've done that. And it's, you know, it's made me an incredible workaholic. It has made me a total overachiever and a perfectionist and a people pleaser, but none of that's really serving me where I am now and with where I want to get to. So ultimately, the journey led me to finding NLP and a form of hypnosis called matrix therapies. And that was really the game changer for me that allowed me to go back and deal with the emotions that I faced as a child, as that you know woman who lost the baby and to see those in a different light. And instead of seeing that I was abused because I wasn't worthy enough, it was actually because my stepmom, who was a domestic violence survivor herself, was hurt. And hurt people hurt people, but healed people can also heal people. Amazing. Hurt people hurt people, healed people heal people. Amazing. Difficult to say quickly. Yeah, but, but worthy of a tattoo uh, for, for sure, or or a, or a piece of wall my art for my back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this hurt. This tattoo about hurting people. So, so NLP and what was what was the other one? Uh, it's a form of hypnosis called matrix therapies. Matrix therapies. I haven't heard of that before. It was actually created by a woman in Australia, um, and I studied directly from the woman who created it. And then I'm in North America. I'm the only person who is certified and licensed to certify other trainers. So I now have the responsibility, is really how I see it, to train other people in this technique because it is so powerful. Incredible. And so... I want to get into, for, for the audience, I want to get into as quickly as possible into actionable, actionable things that they can, they can take away from this, this interview and begin to heal themselves slash make themselves better by, as you put it so elegantly, getting out of their own way. And I think that's a, an issue that a lot of entrepreneurs have. We are highly strung. We're highly stressed. We have a need to be right. We have a confidence in our own ability, even if we're wrong. We take on too much. We're distracted by shiny objects. And a list that goes on bio. a long time. It's, it's, it's a long list. And, and I, remember, I remember being in a, in a conference, and I think it was Cameron Herald. He, he stood up from stage, and he, he, he basically had everybody stand up and said, uh, no, it, was, it might be sit down, sit down, whatever it was. But basically, he was reading out 
the we thought he was reading out the the characteristics of an entrepreneur and it turns out he was reading the the symptoms of uh, i think it was adhd and, uh, and and maybe manic depressive disorder or something like that it was like two pretty pretty serious things and you know if if this st- stay standing if this this sounds about right you know you, you get distracted by a shiny object you like, yeah you know you go from real high highs to real low lows you know you get super excited and then super depressed yeah you know and everybody majority of the room was 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 still standing he said i just read you the list of whatever it's time to take some valium fuck you cameron <laughs> um but he's a great guy we've had him on the, on the show and everything but but it, you know it's really really interesting how similar um those are and so uh, you know, if anybody listening has, has resonated already with some of some of this story, with some of these points being discussed, stay tuned, right? Because we're going we're gonna to carry on. So you've you've done your time in the trenches. You've you've gone through the, the the matrix therapies, the NLP. You've got to the point where you've you've helped yourself enough. You've got your own oxygen mask flowing properly, so that you're in a position where you can help others. Which, mm-hmm. folks, is absolutely the way you have to be. You're no good to anybody if you're not like good sound right you're, you're no good to anybody Just work on yourself first at some point you got out into the world and started helping what did that initially look like so initially i still wasn't fully sure that i could communicate what i did in a way that would resonate with people and pull them in so i had gotten together with a group of other friends who also turned out to be narcissists. It's like the story of my life was to learn how to deal with narcissists and then teach other empathic people how to deal with that. So uh, also well-versed there. But I got into business with a couple narcissists and we were running uh, three or four businesses at the time. And then the coaching, I at the time wasn't really comfortable yet in charging with. And so it was more of a hobby. It was the, the thing that I was really passionate about on the side. And there was times where I would weave it in to what I was doing because I was still working with a lot of athletes. So I would weave in the concepts of, you know, how to optimize your mind and become the master of your mindset and identify and become aware of limiting beliefs that hold you back. So I'd weave it into my businesses, but it wasn't ultimately the thing I got paid for. When uh, everything crashed down again, which was about two, three years ago, uh, September. So my, my anniversaries of like rock bottom were real close together. Um, I was forced to resign because of some lies that the business partners had told me, um, that was going to create some significant challenges within the business. So I resigned from the company, uh, lost my ability to live and work in Australia. So I moved back to Canada and I had this really strong gut feeling. I had done all the work to that point, really worked on my self-worth and my belief in myself. And it came, I, you know, I'd be on Indeed looking for jobs or monster.com looking for jobs. And every time I looked at a job ad, I could feel like another piece of my soul starting to die. And I was like, I have to really step into this. Now, the economy that I was moving back to, I'm from Calgary, Alberta. If anybody knows where that is. Love Calgary. So glad you know it. I love Calgary. I've seen the flames. I've been up the tower. I went up to Banff. Yes, it's, it's beautiful yeah. there. Um, they've been in about a 
a 10-year recession now-ish. Mm-hmm. The, the, you know, the economy crashed somewhere around 2010, 2012 and hasn't fully recovered. Um, they are used to getting you know, mental health services covered within insurance. So then when I come in and I talk about, you know, I can do these things that your therapist can't, but you're going to have to pay me for it and it's not going to be covered on insurance then that posed a challenge. And there's a very cowboy mentality in Calgary of like, we don't talk about our feelings. So my friends and family thought I was nuts. They were like, you are crazy. Like nobody's going to pay you to talk about their feelings. Nobody's going to pay you to be their friend. You would make a really good receptionist. And so that was the noise that I came into launching this business by myself full t- for, for the first time ever by myself full time. Um, and I had $3,000 to my name after I moved me and my dog back to Canada. Uh, so just a, just a tad of pressure, like just like a smidge, right? Yeah. (laughs) So I, uh, I just started putting out content that added value to people just started talking about concepts. Like we'll talk about here in a moment. And I hit six figures in my first year because people, it it was, I think what I did was so refreshing for people. I didn't say, you know, just trust me, give me your money first. I would go out, I found, you know, gyms and co-working spaces. And I said, let me just come in and talk for free. Talk to your staff for free, talk to your employees for free, or those are the same thing. Talk to your, you know, your clients for free. And I just want to add value. I want to help them get out of their own way, which is a value add to your business. Because if they get get out of their own way, you know, in a gym, if your people get out of their own way, they're going to stick with you longer and keep paying membership fees. And so I found, and to me, this was just common sense. I've since Mm -hmm. found out like so many people are like, I never would have thought to leverage somebody else's database. And I was like, Oh, okay. That was like my first thought. Um, But I was able to build my business really, really quickly uh, to the point where then my family was like, are you involved in some sort of pyramid scheme? I don't like what I don't get this, Um, but it's been an incredible ride. And I have been so privileged to watch some incredible, incredible transformations. I had uh, a six year old man reverse type two diabetes. He went from his doctor telling him you have less than 10 years left to live because your health is so bad to less than six months later. She's like falling out of her chair. Like your numbers are now pre-diabetic and I don't even know how this is physically possible. Like this is not medically possible. We've never seen this before. I had a woman who had was in her sixties as well, had been sexually abused growing up, thought she had dealt with it, had never had an orgasm in her life, which, you know, that's a long time to go without an orgasm. Uh, And she, you know, we worked together seven sessions And she went from her husband saying, you're paying this person way too much money to give her some more because I like where things are at. You know, she (laughs) called me up and was like, I had my first orgasm and now I know what everybody's talking about. And then, you know, getting to work with some really incredible brands and help them implement changes in their brand to bring emotional intelligence and communication and leadership into the business so that they can increase their bottom line and just have a healthier workplace so it's been amazing phenomenal and and massive congrats i was smiling a little bit um during the last couple of minutes not because of the um the pain that you're describing about the clients really not but because prior to the interview you warned me that your dog has a very human-like snore right and and um, and there was some serious soaring of wood 
um, going on with that whilst I'm being terrorized by a fly that has managed to get into, into the office here as well. So we've got all kinds of nature going on, folks. If you're not watching the video, those reasons alone um, are enough. And um, it's hard not to it's take a It's definitely a, a dog in the background. Yeah. <laughs> um, so our audience is entrepreneurs. Now, I know, I know you've helped all kinds of, of, of people get out of their, their own way, but let's, let's um, if, if you're willing, let's focus in on, on entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. If you could describe some of the, maybe some of the, 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 the most common characteristics or the, some of the most common problems that you encounter with entrepreneurs, um, and then maybe we can get into some, some advice, some, some, some actionable takeaways to, to help our audience to, today. If, that, if you're up for that, let's, uh, yeah, let's, absolutely. Go, let's do it. Sweet. So I would say the biggest things that I see are everything from um, any sort of procrastination or self-sabotage, going down a path or repeating a pattern of behavior that you know has not been successful in the past and yet you're like holding on to it for dear life, not being able to sell or like clamming up when the sale comes not being able to manage a team. So entrepreneurs moving from like that solopreneur to CEO space and really having to make that mindset shift and understand that it's okay to delegate. It's not selfish. It's not lazy. It's, you know, um, overcoming the perfectionism that stops people from delegating as well or people-pleasing behavior. Um, Any fears of it's not safe. I have to work more, 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 more work equals more hours. Um, I have to make sure everybody else is happy and that stops them from truly serving. It stops them from saying no to the clients that are just going to suck their time and energy and stop them from attracting their ideal client. Um, and then, you know, dealing with haters, uh, not becoming a hater yourself and understanding how to rise above the noise. And even when everybody else is talking shit about their competitors, being able to see that you can lead the way either through collaboration or just by focusing on yourself. And, and so kind of coming out of any of those toxic behaviors that entrepreneurs have, those are all essentially, they come back to three universal fears that we have and a whole slew of limiting beliefs that were actually created well before this person probably ever considered being an entrepreneur. Wow. That's a heck of a, a dangle there. So what are, what are the three limiting beliefs? So, yeah, so there's three universal fears. So the three universal fears are I'm not lovable. So it's like a people won't want me. People won't want the product that I'm serving, that I'm selling or the service that I'm selling. People won't listen to my podcast. They won't buy my book. They're not going to listen to me on stage. Any of that, you know, I'm not, not lovable. People won't want me. So that's one of the fears. Um, that tends to come from that tends to manifest in like guilt, shame and people pleasing. So those are the behaviors that that accompany that. Then we've got uh, I'm not worthy as a major belief and a fear of of not being significant, a fear of not a fear of failure or a fear of success, both sides of it. Right. So not having that significance, which leads them to become a perfectionist, very angry, and they tend to engage in hater type behaviors where the only way that they can feel worthy or that they can feel good enough is by putting down somebody else, putting down a competitor, putting down a former client. Like even when I talk about my ex or my ex business partners, I still have the utmost gratitude for those experiences 
and I let people know that because I would not be sitting here today if one of those, if even like one part of any of those experiences had been shifted at all, I would not be sitting here today. Um, and then the last fear is of not being safe. So this fear of, you know, if I go out there, I'm going to lose all my money. I'm going to hit rock bottom. And that's going to be this final place where I never can get back up again. We tend to be empowered by hearing other people's rock bottom stories, like their overcoming stories, but we forget that we have the ability to do that ourselves. And so if somebody else, you know, if Tony Robbins can go from sleeping in his car to like the $5 billion empire or whatever it is now, or, you know, Jeff Bezos being $20 million in debt in his garage to the richest man in the world, like we have that same ability and that it's important for us to remember that. So I would say like one of there, there's really two big things that I want your audience to know. Number one is that 95% of the belief systems that we have as adults were created between the ages of zero and seven. So before you even fully understood what the world was about, we created these belief systems. So let me give you an example. I was abused by my stepmom between the ages of three and seven. Started being locked in closets, burned with curling irons, uh, ended in her threatening to never let me see my parents again and kidnapping me. Uh, and there was a point where she also threatened to leave me on the side of the road for a stranger to kill. So, you know, th those four or five years were pretty horrendous for me. I was never a bad child. I just, the spotlight naturally fell on me. And so what I learned during that period of time was that it was not okay to be seen. And between the ages of zero and seven, we're also highly self-referential, which means we tend to think that everything that's happening is because of us. Now, at some point, we're meant to grow out of that self-referential phase because our parents teach us how, and it's nothing against anybody's parents. They didn't learn from anybody. So there's a lot of adults walking around who are still, still highly self-referential. And if you're not sure if this is you, go scroll through Facebook, and if, you see, if you're triggered by anybody's post, that doesn't directly mention your name, then you're still self-referential, right? How many people, I have so many clients come to me and they're like, well, this person put up this post and I know they're talking about me. And I'm like, but how do you know? Like, how do you specific, did it mention your name? Well, no, but okay, well then it's just showing you a part of yourself that you know you need to fix, but you mm -hmm. haven't had the courage to look at yet, right? It's, it's not easy to look at these things. So understand that those limiting beliefs I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm not lovable. I have to make sure everybody else is happy. I'm not safe. I can't be seen. Those belief systems are likely coming from a point in your childhood. And not all trauma or not all abuse looks the same way. I've worked with seven year olds, 11 year olds. Um, where I'm from in Calgary, you know, there's a lot of oil field work. So you'll have one parent who's away for two or three weeks at a time and they're back for a week. And working with those children, every single time I was brought in, they had a belief system of, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, low confidence. And when we really drilled down and I asked enough questions, it came out, well, if they really loved me, if this parent really loved me, why would they leave for two or three weeks at the time? The child doesn't compute that this massive house that you live in or you know these shiny clothes and all of that. They don't equate that the time away equals that. Even if they consciously know that, unconsciously, they're still not getting the things that they want. And most children would trade all of the things in the world that you can give them for time and love. 
And so it doesn't have to be that your parent ever, you know, did the things that mine, my stepmom did to me to you. It can be that they were just a workaholic, that they were really busy. Maybe you had a parent who was emotionally, un emotionally unavailable because they had depression or anxiety or they drank too much or they just didn't know how to deal with what was going on in their life. Again, it's nothing to blame your parents about. They're here having their own flesh experience, their soul is, and we don't need to make that about us. And we typically carry that with us into adulthood. And whether you want to see it or not, it affects how you do business. It affects the clients that you attract. It, it affects the teammates that you attract, right? You can only attract into your life, and here we're getting into like some quantum mechanics science, but you can only attract into your life people who are vibrating, who have the same frequency as you, right? If you were on this Zoom channel and I was on a different one, we wouldn't be talking right now. And that's really how life works. And like Einstein started these uh, experiments around frequency and they're still happening today to show the CIA actually just declassified that like manifestation is a real legitimate thing. So it, you know, if you're holding on to all of this anger or resentment or guilt or shame from your childhood, you're going to be attracting people who will either take advantage of that or who are at that level. The reason I attracted so many narcissists in my previous life was because I had no boundaries. And that's what narcissists look for is people who don't have boundaries because they're easy to manipulate. Since I learned how to set boundaries, narcissists come in and they leave just as quickly because they know I'm not going to put up with it. So that would be the number one thing is like recognizing the limiting beliefs that you have. And I, I fully understand that it is not comfortable to do. And I want you to know, I don't want you to be standing on that corner in Melbourne contemplating ending your life because that pain is far worse than taking a peek at the skeletons. As uncomfortable as you think the skeletons will be to look at, once you start doing it, it happens pretty quickly. We just have to get there first. The second thing that I wanted to say is, don't become attached to your identities. Anytime, like your language, the way that you talk to yourself is so powerful. We humans have 1,500 words a minute that go through our head. And I would almost argue that entrepreneurs probably have a little bit more because we tend to not go ever into a nothing space, right? I mean, I'm sure you dream about your businesses just like I do. And you wake up in the middle of the night with like ideas around, oh, I should do this or you know, I should sure. try this or I should do this video. And so as a, as a bare, base minimum, we have 1,500 words a minute that pass through our head. And every single one of those is programming your mind of what to go out and find. Our conscious mind, our logic and reason is only 4% of our mind's capacity. The unconscious mind, which is behind the driver's wheel in the, you know, the race of life, is the unconscious mind. That's where your emotions and your limiting beliefs lie. And so if you are telling yourself, I'm a pessimist or I'm a failure, what you're doing is you're actually programming the unconscious mind, which drives your behavior to go out and find more of those things. So rather than so be super careful about what you say after the words I or I am. If you say I am a failure, you're, you've programmed yourself to go out and find more failure. You say, I am broke. You're going to go find more broke. 
Whereas if you say, I have failed at this, you're not programming yourself to go out and look for more of it. You're just making a statement of, okay, well, this is, this is a fact. This is what happened. Right. And so when I met my husband, he would talk all the time about, well, I have ADD. And I was like, okay, I hate diagnoses because oftentimes some of these diagnoses can be symptoms of a limiting belief or a childhood. So there, there was a study that came out in America a couple of years ago, the ACE study, the Adverse Childhood uh, Experiences Study. And so what they found was that people who experience trauma or neglect growing up were more likely to be diagnosed as ADD, not because they actually legitimately had ADD, but because that was their coping mechanism for what was happening at home, right? And so um, I have clients who come to me who have been diagnosed with bipolar, with depression, with anxiety, with multiple personality disorder, and what also, what, or person, borderline personality disorder. And so many studies have found that the, these symptoms that lead that particular specialist to making this diagnosis, those symptoms are actually also a symptom of something else that has happened in life. Right. And so I, there was a study done at Cambridge where 89% of people who had been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder actually had childhood neglect that they hadn't actually dealt with. And as soon as they dealt with that, the borderline personality disorder symptoms went away. And so that's where when people come to me and they're like, well, you can't heal depression. We, we can do a lot with depression to relieve the symptoms of it. Now, sometimes it will be a chemical imbalance. A lot of the times, though, it's not. And if you go on antidepressants, it's actually not going to make a difference because it's not a chemical imbalance that's creating that mood, right? And so I don't want people to become overly attached to an identity. As I said, my husband was super attached to his identity of being ADD. He would get up in the morning and say his affirmations. I focus, I pay attention to detail. And then he had kind of worked this joke into his sales call where he'd joke around about like a blue squirrel moment or uh, how he was easily distracted. And he would have at least 10 sales calls a day. So once a day, he's telling himself, I focus, I pay attention to detail. And at least 10 times a day, he's saying how he's easily distracted. Well, the mind responds to frequency. So whatever you tell yourself more of, is what you're going to get. So many people come to me and they're like, positive affirmations are bullshit. They don't work. And I'm like, okay, so what are your positive affirmations? They'll tell me, okay, how many times a day are you conscious of what you're talking about to yourself during the day or what you're talking about to other people? Because if I get up in the morning and I'm like, I live in abundance, I'm a millionaire, I'm this, I'm this. And then I go out for coffee with friends and I'm like, I'm so broke and like, you know, life is so hard then I'm telling myself the polar opposite to what I've done in the affirmation. So of course the affirmations aren't going to stick. So affirmations are great only if you're paying attention to what you say the rest of the day, because people hypnotize themselves each and every day to stay stuck in some way. That's amazing. It's, it's, it's the power of word. And for most people, you don't, you trust your own word. And when the, your own word is spoken or it's an internal voice, the power of even something as silly as, as looking into the mirror, not silly, I don't like the word silly uh, in this context, but uh, in, it's small as looking mm -hmm. in the mirror and saying, oh, I hate my insert body part here. I have an ugly whatever. It's so powerful and, and so damaging. And it's just the power of word. Um, 
a book that I'm actually reading or listening to at the moment is a book called Four, The Four Agreements. There's a lot of wishy-washy mm. in there, but it's very, very powerful and very, very mm. pointed about the four agreements. So I'm only halfway through, so, you know, don't spoil it for me, Tiffany. Oh, but, it's a great book. But, but uh, the power of word and the power of assumptions are two, like you said, assuming that someone's talking about you on Facebook, it's more likely that what they've done is they've held up a mirror to one of your insecurities, one of your 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 things about you that you don't feel so good about. They've hit a nerve, and that's why you've, you, you, I don't like them, they're a douche, but actually they've just kind of shone a spotlight on a painful part of yourself. It's really, really powerful, but like you said, pulling off the scab, fishing around in that open wound of, of, of trauma is, is, is hard and difficult. But the the freedom of getting past that and moving moving forward unburdened is surely worth that that yeah. temporary pain. We we are we are programmed to avoid pain and to seek pleasure. And what most people do is they look at it in the short term. Well, this person is making me feel uncomfortable right now, so I'm just gonna block them or I'm just gonna talk mean about them and I'm going to write this person off as a terrible person so that I can feel pleasure now and avoid the pain. The thing is, is that the longer we avoid the pain of dealing with it, the greater that pain becomes. And so pain is ultimately the greatest catalyst for change. And so my belief is, and what I've seen personally in my life and with client after client after client is that we'll keep getting the same lesson, like the universe, God, whoever it is you believe in, will keep giving us the same lesson over and over until we actually learn it. Maybe it's that you hire a sales team, but you don't properly train them, right? And I've seen this happen a number of times. You hire a sales team, you hire an EA, a VA, whatever, you hire, you start hiring your team to help you scale your business and you don't properly train them, but you expect them to have the same level of understanding of the business. You have them to expect you expect them to have the same level of ability as you right off the bat, but you're not willing to take the time because you don't have time, right? Well, it's either you don't have time now to train them properly, or you don't have time in the future to then have to fire them and, and do their job again and keep doing those things. Um, we also see it with you know the, the manager or the leader of the company or of the team, they don't watch their behavior and they don't watch their words, and then that becomes quite toxic, and it's this like filter down effect where if the person at the top is not paying attention to how they show up with their emotional intelligence, with their communication, with dealing with their own stuff, then you're not going to inspire anybody else to do the same. Oh, amazing. And so for those listening today that want to, they're, they're like, wow, you, you're describing me. I, this is amazing. Uh, I want more. I, you know, I where can they find more of you where where can they go where can they um you know hit the learning yeah so if you go to my website bluelotusmind.com uh you'll be able to connect with me everywhere the other thing that you can do is you can send me an email at tiffany at bluelotusmind.com what I do on when I do these interviews is I like to make sure that people know exactly what they're in for for working with when they work with me. So I offer what I call a clarity call and it's a free 30 minute call where we'll hop on and I will give you an experience of what I do. I'll clear out a limiting belief for you 
quite quickly so that you can see how quickly it works, but also you can de decide for yourself if you're actually ready to make this change. And I know a lot of people are like, why, you know, why would I need to decide if I'm ready to let go of my limiting beliefs? Because we do go deep. It, it is deep work and it's the most rewarding work that you'll ever do. It will help you move forward in leaps and bounds. And the good news is, is it's not just gonna change your business. It's literally going to change how you show up in every area of your life because everything's connected anyways. So your relationships are gonna get better, your health is going to get better, your business is going to get better, and you just need to be ready to, to dive in. So if you just shoot me an email, say that you heard me on Martin's show, then I'll send you a link and we can book time for that call. Amazing. So thanks for that. So bluelotusmind.com and tiffany at bluelotusmind.com. Folks listening and watching, there's your call to action. So Tiffany, at this point, you've been great so far. At this point, what we do is we mix it up a little bit. We move into the rapid fire question round, round, round. And uh, I've got 15 questions to ask you. I ask them very quickly. You can answer them quickly or you can take a little bit longer. Whatever you like it is your show. And full disclosure to the audience, Tiffany does not know what she's let herself in for. She doesn't know the questions that are, that are coming. So it's going to be a surprise for her as well as everybody else listening. But at this point, Tiffany... I've been told not to mumble my social security info. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Tiffany, uh, at this point, uh, I'd like to ask you, are you up for this? Yes, let's do it. Are you two thumbs up, up for this? There they are. Right, question number one. What superhero would you be and why? Uh, Spider-Man has always been a favorite. Um, I think I just like climbing things to get a different perspective. Like hmm. metaphorically and physically awesome he's pretty good at climbing question two what's one thing that people often incorrectly assume about you uh, most people when they first meet me I have a resting bitch face so and <laughs> people tend to meet me when I'm like in a moment of concentration including my husband so he always thinks I'm mad at him uh, they tend to think that I'm like not a very nice person and that every single one of my best friends, the first time I met you, I thought you were really intimidating and then they get to know me and the resting bitch face goes away and, and I'm not so intimidating anymore. What is the most pointless subject taught at schools and what would you replace it with? Good one. Um, not like the whole, I wouldn't throw out the whole subject, but I would say like, quadratic equations in math. I'm not really sure why we ever learned that. Um, and I would replace it. I know there's like health classes, but I would replace it with like some sort of mindset class for people to really understand how powerful their mind is. Nice. What's one random act of kindness you've either witnessed or done yourself? Um, I love to randomly buy gift cards Obviously, this is pre-COVID because people might think I'm a bit crazy doing it now, but um, I would buy gift cards at the grocery store and then just go hand them to somebody in the parking lot who is about to walk in. Nice. What unusual or underrated food or drink should more people try out? Kombucha. Get that gut health right because it impacts the brain. Nice. And how do you enjoy your kombucha? I'm actually just about to start brewing some today uh, to make my own, but uh, half a cup a day chilled. I like to try out different flavors, see what's out there. Yeah. What's a good flavor in your opinion? I had this really good green apple kombucha once when I was in Australia. It was amazing. I haven't been able to find it since though. Nice. There's a, there's a ginger and turmeric 
kombucha um, going on in our local supermarkets, which is pretty good. It's pretty pricey and you get it in like a very small little glass bottle, but it hits the spot and it's delicious and some are not. <laughs> so yeah. so it's, it's a good one. What uh, What's one mistake you made in your life and what did you learn from it? Um, believing that I couldn't run a business by myself. And so hence the narcissistic business partners, assuming that they were smarter than me. Um, I learned that my intuition is far more powerful than I ever previously gave it credit for. Nice. What does the first 30 to 60 minutes of your day look like? And at what time does it typically start? Typically starts around 6 a.m. And it involves some sun salutations outside. Um, you get ten, two to 10 minutes of bright sunlight. Here's a, another random tip for you. Two to 10 minutes of bright sunlight. Uh, even if it's cloudy, the sun rays will still come through. But of that bright light, first thing in the morning, it actually sets up your circadian rhythm for the rest of the day and your sleep-wake cycles, your food, all of that. Um, so I go outside, do some sun salutations, say my positive affirmations. I've got a different affirmation for each pose. And then I've, we've got a walking trail right next to us. So we walk there. Sometimes we take the dog to swim. Sometimes I just go by myself, listen to an audiobook, uh, And then a little bit of visualization and get ready for the day. Nice. What an amazing morning. That sounds like a, a vacay morning. And it's... Uh, I love it. Love it too. Where do you go or what do you do to get inspired? Anywhere in nature and journal. Yeah, nice. So beach, lake, anywhere. What's your journaling style? I like, uh, have you ever read the book, Art, The Artist's Way? No, but it is on my list. So in there, she talks about a type of writing called stream of consciousness, where you either just write the words that are in your head or you like pose a question and then you write the words. So I really like doing that because it really helps uh, bring out your intuition. Nice. Are the questions random or... Do you choose questions uh, that that help coax out the the, the bits that you want to blurt out on paper? I can't remember if in the book she <clears throat> gives you questions or not. I I typically just ask questions like if I feel myself blocked in a certain way, I'll ask a question. Sometimes I will ask a question about like what would be a good blog post or what would be a good article for me to write for entrepreneur.com and then I'll just kind of write whatever comes out and then I'll do whatever research I need to to add to that and I've written a lot of blog posts and a lot of articles for publications that way. Amazing. How do you get published in those? Uh, I worked with a guy named Kamanzi Constable who showed me how to get into the bigger publications. So right now I'm an entrepreneur, good men project, addicted to success and then we're working on moving towards like Forbes and Inc. But uh, yeah. Who do you idolize above anyone else and why? Martin Luther King Jr. was the first person who came into my head. I did a paper on him in school. And I, I think just the way that he went about creating change was so different to what we've seen in, in most times in history. Rather than creating war and creating violence, it was more about creating understanding by showing that you know they were people as well nice what book or books do you read or gift the most um other than mine i would say can't hurt me by david goggins is a great one that it's i love to recommend and send to people just because it shows you 
like it literally doesn't matter where you start that you can become like far greater than you ever imagined possible if you you've, put your mind to it you've got to listen to that don't read it folks listen to it because there's like interviewee sections after each chapter which just makes it way more immersive I've heard that i've heard that so i'm gonna have to go back and get it um the other one that i would say is depending on where you're at either psycho cybernetic uh cyber psycho cybernetics or if you're a little bit newer to the journey start with the book e squared because she actually gets you to do experiments on yourself in there to show you the power of your thought. Huh. What silly thing should people do more of? Dance. Any particular like, dance? No, just like get jiggy with it. Just turn on a song and get jiggy with it. However it comes out, you want to do the sprinkler, the shopping cart, that's even better. <laughs> <laughs> What's the sprinkler look like? I've not seen the sprinkler. Like that. Oh, that's the sprinkler. The, yeah. Okay. Oh, I have seen yeah. it. I just didn't know the name of it. Just my, my, uh, my one-year-old niece has like started doing her own version of the sprinkler. <laughs> it's awesome. Good honor. Don't ever change niece. Right. If you could change one world problem with one wish, what would it be? Um, domestic violence is what I'm passionate about working towards changing. So helping women and men, because it happens on both sides, step into their power to realize that they don't have to be, they don't have to stay in those situations. Nice. Would you rather always be 10 minutes late or always be 20 minutes early? 20 minutes early. Why? Because I can do work on my phone if I'm early. I hate being late. Nice. Would you rather move to a new city or town every week or never leave the city or town you were born in? So I've lived in three different countries in the last decade, so I'll say a new city or town every week. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm good with change. I love it. Nice. And then the final question, Tiffany, what makes you happiest? Getting to witness, getting to have a front row seat to people recognizing, like having that aha moment of, how incredibly powerful they can be and how much potential they have as they're letting go of something. Like just watching that aha moment is the greatest thing ever. Amazing. What an incredible answer to a pretty spectacular question round, I must say. You nailed it. So at this point, you. do you have any asks or requests of the audience? I would ask that you spend a little bit of time. I typically find that it's easiest to, to gain this self-awareness through journaling, but just start asking yourself questions. Just start, stop accepting the status quo in your own life. Just because you've always had a thought or just because that was the way your family always did something or your company has always done something or you've always done something. Just there's this concept called the beginner's mind. So in the expert's mind, there's few opportunities and choice. And in the beginner's mind, there's an infinite number. And so the only way that we can be innovative, that we can be creative, that we can serve more people and impact the world to a greater ability is if we start asking more questions of ourselves. So just ask, like, what if I didn't have this belief? What if I what would life look like if I was able to let go of this fear? It doesn't mean you're letting go of the fear right in that moment, but it gets you to start thinking about what's on the other side. And with the clients that I've worked with who have really done this, they've found that that lessens the pain of looking at those skeletons 
and all of a sudden the pain of losing what could happen in their future becomes far greater and that pushes them to undergo incredible transformations and so they achieve amazing things on the other side. So that's my ask is that you just journal however you want to do it, but just start asking yourself these questions. What if something changed? Amazing. Do that, folks. Um, I'm going to do the same. I'm trying to remember the title. Um, I think it's by Ryan Halliday. It's a book that we actually have on the on the side in our in our guest room at the house. It's a it's a different question, different mm -hmm. muse every single day. You don't read it like a book. You just read the paragraph each day. It's very um, thought invoking. It's very it's designed to get you thinking. And there's a number of journals out on the market. I think which have different questions like that, like great questions lead to great answers. But yeah, just looking inward a little bit more and, and, and being more aware of your thoughts and challenging them as opposed to just being a passenger in your own life is, yeah. is incredibly powerful. Tiffany, thank you so much for being with us today, taking the time to share, to be, to be vulnerable, to, to, to show and, 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 and describe in great detail the, the, the journey that, that you've been on, the, the tremendous um, upwards tick that you experienced, the path you're still on, sharing that in, in such a, an actionable and, and accessible way with the audience. I'm tremendously grateful for your time and, and that you've taken the time to, sh to share it with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been awesome. Hey there, you incredibly good-looking human. Thanks so much for listening. If you had a good time today and would like more good times in the future, please hit that subscribe button and leave a heartwarming review. I read them all and it will go a long way to help others out there benefit from all the teachings of this show. And if you want to get in touch or otherwise learn more about me, head to martincook.co.uk or smarterdestiny.com. I really appreciate you. You're an incredible human. Until next time, keep crushing.